I'm Dave. And today we're the end of the week with Minute 86 from Lost World. Dave, how are you going? Uh, we're doing good over here. Unfortunately, still haven't found any Funkos. <laughs> oh, probably a month before they get over here, if mm. we uh, get any. One thing that uh, we have got this week, or actually last week, um, the Dinosaur Protection Group posted up some uh, another or some more content on their site um, with a report into uh, Isla Nublar and Isla Sauna. Mm-hmm. They'd done up an article of uh, what killed the Gene Guard Act, which um, is filling in a bit more backstory post the Lost World uh, after the San Diego incident. Yeah. And uh, and tie in some uh, some plot stuff to uh, some unanswered questions in Jurassic Park Three. But I think the main thing I wanted to talk about this was a leaked report that they had um, that they shared uh, from InGen uh, asset catalog from December seventh, nineteen ninety six, signed off by John Hammond himself. There's mm-hmm. a Table of contents, uh, active dinosaurs for Nublar, active dinosaurs for Sauna, species profiles uh, that's been um, scrubbed out, apparently lost on Site B, so <laughs> that that part of it's missing. It kind of was, I mean, and it would be totally engine to not make any other copies, of course. Yeah, yep. <laughs> the inactive dinosaur DNA samples, which isn't part of this, it's in another uh, another article, but... Contents, uh, chapter 3.1 established territories, a map of both uh, of Sauna, especially with uh, where the animals set up territories after the mm-hmm. after the evacuation. I'd really love to see. Yeah, that I would love to see because they kind of threw the territories into chaos when they left Isla Sauna that first time around, and then apparently they threw even a worse chaos when they pill- when Masrani Global pillaged the island for assets to fill Jurassic World with. Yeah, yeah. And if you go by what they say there, created the Spinosaur and just let it go, so... Yeah. Apparently they were doing... They were testing um, illegally, by the way, uh, because of the Gene Guard Act. They were... Uh, Masrani ordered InGen to... Or not Mas, Simon Masrani, but Masrani Global ordered InGen to um, kind of test their facilities in a way, and so they... Created the Spinosaurus, the Ceratosaurus, the Ankylosaurus, and the Corythosaurus. Mm. So those are apparently why we didn't see any of them in in 1997, or why they were even acknowledged. Yeah, and then um, they all abandoned on Site B until the surviving animals were uh, reportedly moved to Ublar to be housed in the future attraction or be um, the future attraction for Jurassic mm-hmm. World. Which is apparently where the Spinosaurus died, because uh, I assume it died in captivity because it's labelled as now extinct. Yeah. Yeah, so either captivity or something happened in transit. Because um, mm-hmm. the way I read all this, and jump on the jump on the Dinosaur Protection Group and have a read, because it's an interesting read, um, going through it all. So how the Gene Guard Act was brought in after San, the San Diego incident um, between Hammond, InGen, and um, Costa Rica to uh, pretty much stop the cloning of dinosaurs. InGen was going to uh, make it their point to protect the animals from uh, further proliferation and um, experimenting on and that. And when Hammond died and Maserati came in and took over, they uh, apparently returned to Site B and 
done some testing and experiments, but um, mm-hmm. that crazy Doctor Wu. <laughs> um, I'm sure a lot of that, a lot more of that's going to be flushed out in Fallen Kingdom. Hopefully, anyway. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that the, the way I read it here, I'm trying to look back. I can't find it exactly now, so I may have glossed over, but uh, or read it wrong. But the way, because it's got here, they've got a map of sauna status abandoned restricted mm-hmm. i put up as they harvested the animals for jurassic jurassic world and there's nothing left there i'm gonna have to disagree with that position and i know a lot of people are kind of taking it that way but it never explicitly says that sauna is devoid of dinosaurs yeah it only kind of says that they don't know how many are left after they yep. after they've taken them yep well yeah and we'll get to the numbers when we get to the report in a second but like the one thing to go against that is the fact that there's no males in Jurassic World everything's still female mm-hmm. um, there's no there's no animals we don't see the male parasol office there we don't see the male raptor or the raptors wouldn't be there anyway but well there's the thing where are all the raptors <laughs> yeah exactly I mean they didn't take those yeah. Simon Masrani Adam was adamantly refused to let the uh, raptors be an attraction. Yeah. He just wanted to study their intelligence. And that's where the Ibris project began. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I'd hope they'll smart enough to just say, let's just not go near that area of the island. (laughs) Let's just leave the raptors alone. So, yeah, I I only seen it that way as it's, they're out for sauna as well. Like, we've got the volcano taken out in Ublar. If they turn around and say, well, we, everything's off the island. Yes, it's still restricted because there's InGen tech there, but um, it's been abandoned. There's no animals left. There's no reason to return. But apparently that's where they're sending the animals back to in the evacuation of Nublar in the Fallen Kingdom. So we'll wait for Fallen Kingdom to see if it uh, adds anything else. But uh, this asset catalogue, again, interesting in copyright InGen tech, San Diego, 1996 which again puts their headquarters in San Diego. I won't worry about the uh, active dinosaurs for Nublar, but going to um, active dinosaurs for Sauna, I think the one thing this shows out of anything is how many animals they let go when they evacuated. <laughs> um, Brachiosaurus, 10. Metricanosaurus, that's not how you say that, 4. Uh, Edmontosaurus, 4. Parasolophus, 13. Triceratops, 10, which that's a lot. <laughs> 10 Triceratops. That was going to yeah. populate the park. Uh, imagine they're kind of hoping for a herd. Yeah. And we don't know how many those were infants uh, uh, that they may have cloned like five to, uh, first and let them grow and then cloned another five, you know? Because yeah. we know that there's, there's intended to have been infants in the herd that was on Nublar. Mm. And one nearly made it into the final film as well. So. Uh, exactly. Microceratops. Ceratus? <laughs> Ceratus. Um, Ceratus, yeah. Have, did we see that? Have we, we haven't seen that in the film yet, have we? No, no. But 22 of those were released. Stegosaurus, there was 11. Uh, Pachycephalosaurus, 9. Gallimimus, 20. And it, I just love here how that's um, previous population count and they've got current population count unknown and in notes pending update, which just <laughs> makes me wonder if they were planning at any time. Um, and this is 96 too, this is just before the uh, Ludlow would have decided mm-hmm. to uh, and start 
making notes and deciding to go back and harvest. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if they, um, if part of their return, or when they return to Sauna to harvest, if they actually had ideas of how many animals, or if they just said, well, this is what we got, we'll do a bit of a survey while we're there and see what we see. Oh, I think that's part of what Hammond's idea was. Okay, yep. He, what, what he wanted to do was, he wanted documentation. He wanted to know how many there were, how well they were doing, what they were eating, how they survived the lysine contingency, why they were breeding, you know. He wanted to know all that, and I think that's part of what was, what would have been in the update that he sent, uh, that he was sending Sarah and Eddie and Nick and all them. Hmm. I gotta, I gotta think that Sarah had already communicated with him at least once before Ian come on board because he says to Ian that good God, oh, by God, they're flourishing. Mm-hmm. Um, after oh, yeah. Ian asks him how they survive without lysine, like at that, well, as far as we know, at that point he would have only had this list of anim- animals, how many they let go, mm-hmm. like Gallimimus twenty um, at the time of release. If if Sarah had come back and said there's there's over a hundred. Yeah, no, they definitely have been because, um, or she definitely have been because Eddie even says that uh, she's been sending back, she's been faxing back refinements to Eddie, so you know she's probably been faxing. Yeah. Um, Hammond as well. Yeah, but uh, when we get to the carnivores here, this is where things get a little bit interesting. Trenosaur six, we know of at least three in the film. Mm-hmm. Velociraptor eighteen, which that's a lot of raptors. <laughs> it is a lot of raptors. But I kind of wonder if they... Because they don't uh, separate the two subspecies. So I kind of wonder if they created, like, nine... Because they remember they had... Um, they moved eight of them to Sorna. Mm. I mean, to Nublar. Yeah. So I wonder if ten of them had been um, the... Had been the new... Uh, the ones that... Bleh. I'm having a brain fart here. I'm wondering if ten of them had been the ones we see in Jurassic Park three. Yeah, there's. I don't know if it's actually in the article or if it's just speculation, but um, some saying possibly Masrani had created the Jurassic Park three raptors as well, which is why we don't see those in the Lost World either. I don't know. I mean, they never say that that was one of the specific ones that they created. So I no, they didn't. No. Um, so I kind of imagine that's an in-gen creation. Yeah. They're just messing around, not know, really knowing what they're doing. And they just created them, you know? Because Baryonyx is also on this list two years before it was named you know, or even discovered. Mm. Yeah. And so... Five of them, too. It's <laughs> in 97 and named in 98. I actually have the Chicago Tribune... Clip, uh, newspaper clipping of when it was first announced by Paul Serino. Yep. And so, um, it's interesting that, or not Barry Ox, Sukumimus, I'm sorry. <laughs> Same Sukumimus family. Was, uh, what? Same family. <laughs> yeah. Sukumimus was discovered in 97 and named in 98. And it's on this, but it's on this list. So there was definitely some, not just redaction, but also amendment of this listing. Because obviously, if I've had to go back and added, uh, amended the name, it may have been unknown Spinosaurus at the time. Well, that's yeah. The Sukumimus is on the uh, the inactive dinosaur DNA samples, which mm-hmm. um, we'll get to in a minute. But yeah, they've only got seventy percent of the DNA strand or 
however that works. Um, fragments of DNA, yeah. They've only got 75% of it, so... Just as, yeah, as you are saying before, whether or not they actually... Well, they wouldn't have knew it as Suchomimus, which is interesting that it's on this list, but, yeah, if that eventually um, morphed into the Spinosaur or what have you there, but... Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that it obviously shows they were just fishing for DNA. They didn't know nor care what they got. They were just looking for DNA, you know, which means that they would have discovered uh, Suchomimus before it was actually discovered by science and then kept secret. They just probably didn't know what it was, you know? Yeah, yeah. I wonder also if the raptors too, or with all these animals, just um, pack up stumps and leave when the hurricane hit. They were still doing stuff after the Jurassic incident. I wonder if they purposely made any males, because especially with the velociraptors, Mm -hmm. if you've got 18 of them, they all should be the female raptor we know from Jurassic Park. And that's 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 completely leaving version numbers and all that sort of stuff out of it. Even if Yeah. So I don't know how any of this works, but if, if one of if just one of those change sex and become a male, it's still gonna look like a Jurassic Raptor. I'm just wondering how you start getting the variants with the tiger stripes, how many um, offspring you have to have before you start getting that sort of diversity amongst them, and if a population of just 18 raptors could breed into a successful population, because we know in the novel it's brought up that they're inbred and fighting amongst themselves and everything else. So Yeah, yeah that's true. And not only that, but um, in the Lost World novel, they actually did accidentally create a male. They cre- it's marked that they created a male um, Gallimimus and... It makes me wonder if they were starting to consider a breeding program because they had such low yields in the novel. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's sort of an interesting thought. Um, if you, especially once the time of the infection that come around, where like three quarters of the um, population weren't surviving hatching because um, of infection, so letting male or letting bonding or um, breeding pairs and that go into the wild to uh, do the job yourself, and then you just have to go around and pick the eggs up, or even catch the infants at a later stage. Mm-hmm. Would be a lot cheaper, a lot easier, and without contamination, but um, some of the other dinosaurs on here, you got um, Cobsignathus, which we've seen as well. 43 of those, they let go, they let go. Interesting pterodons are in this, considering this This tells me these are the ones we see at the end of the Lost World, where they're flying free, and not the ones that are in the aviary. Yeah. Because they're not let go, they're they're contained yep. to that point. And interesting enough, Dilophosaur, twelve of them, which would be our first nod that there's actually Dilophosaurus on Sauna. Mm-hmm. Again, this is this is all made up by marketing, so whether or not it's real or not, um, it just sort of opens a bit more light into Sauna and what what was there, what was going on in those last final days, and what what Ingen was doing. But um. Yeah, moving quick. Oh, I suppose one thing to bring up too with the uh, the compies actually say the uh, the reason compies got onto Nublar was they were hiding in the supply ships. Yeah, and, that's uh, a nice nod of the novel though, because mm. that's what they're doing to get off the islands, Isla Nublar. Yeah, yeah, and it sort of it makes sense too if you've got ships coming and going. Small animals mm. like that are gonna get on board, which is why the juvenile raptors do in the in the film, uh, in the novel. Sorry. Yeah. Um, 
Like, yeah. Lastly, here we got the uh, chapter two. That's the uh, inactive dinosaur DNA samples, which is pretty much just a list of uh, carnivores and herbivores that they've got um, some DNA for, but they haven't got enough to uh, make a complete DNA strand. Um, as we said before, Suchomimus, they've only got 70% of it. Uh, Allosaurus, 12%. Metrocanthosaurus, 71%. Herosaurus, 60 Sergisaurus, <laughs> oh, these names, I hate them. Um, 48%. Uh, Dimorphodon, which was an interesting little name drop here, uh, only 36%. Well, it's interesting that all these dinosaurs that they had only partial for were all dinosaurs that were seen that are now seen in Fallen Kingdom as being cloned by uh, for Jurassic World. Mm. Well, I'd have to I'd have to uh, rewatch the film, but I'm pretty sure at this point it's not a matter of um, just DNA and amber, or not DNA and amber. Um, using other animals to fill in sequence gaps. They've got 100% dino DNA now somehow. I'm pretty sure Claire says that in the film. So it's a lot easier to actually have the complete DNA strand and have it 100% pure for that animal and not have a bit of frog or a bit of lizard or something in it. Mm-hmm. No, I, Wu also mentions it as well. Oh, it might be worse says it. Yeah, is that um, none of the dinosaurs in Jurassic World are 100%. Because they'd look much different if they were. Yeah, yeah. And again, that's one thing that ties back to the books, and it's it's sort of the running, the running explanation in the films as well why we don't have feathered raptors or stuff like that. It's they're doing stuff at the DNA level to, or the embryo level to stop this stuff from happening. Wu has there's, there's a fair bit in the not in the original Jurassic Park novel between Wu and Hammond where. Um, they Wu wanted to, or one one of them. Sorry, I, I'm not going to try and guess which one was which. But one was discussing um, the aggression in the Triceratops and why they had to put the red uh, stripes on the jeeps. I think that was Muldoon was that Triceratops. Oh, okay, but um, Hammond being against it, say no, we want these animals as they were. But even with the raptors, Wu saying, well, it might be Muldoon again. Just how ferocious the raptors are. Mm-hmm. We need to we need to dull them down and blunt the knife a little bit. Just make them make them a little bit slower. And it was Wu and Hammond having a conversation in the chapter version four point four, where um, where Wu essentially goes up to Hammond and says, "I think we need to dull down these dinosaurs, slow them down a bit. They're too fast. Uh, none of our equipment is qualified enough to handle anything anything we've got." Yeah. And. Hammond's like, no, I want real dinosaurs. And then Wu retorts, they're not real dinosaurs now. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a great little thing that's sort of being carried over in the films as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, why, it's why you can have... It's why you can have the Lost World raptors and the Jurassic Park furry raptors. It's why you can have the um, Nublar female T-Rex and then the greener-coloured ones on mm. uh, Sauna. So... And then the herbivores here, you got the Patasaurus, only 57%, which they obviously got over that for Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. Ankylosaurus is on this list as well at 91%, which they must have uh, completed that DNA strand later after the uh, Maserati buyout. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, cloned it. Yeah, yep. Which also brings up another interesting fact, is that we now know that... <laughs> um, 
it kind of adds a depth to Jurassic Park 3 that was really lacking before, is that only, it wasn't as far back as we thought. It was, it was still 1997 that they cloned the uh, dinosaurs because they're on the because they were on the island for nine months, but it like those can like that candy bar those candy bars and um and Isla Sorna actually weren't eight year old candy bars they're only like four year old four or three and a half year old candy bars and the food Eric's collected as well yeah, exactly stuff out of the tin um it's it's one thing in the novel where they're held up in a in the gas station they're sort of opening canned food and like. Doc Fawn makes a, uh, or Jack Fawn makes a comment that uh, uh, it's in the tin. It's safe. It'll be it's safe for years. <laughs> Preserved food can stay in tins for years, but some yeah. of the cans where they'd been punched or weren't sealed had uh, mold growing out of them. But yeah, and that's that's one thing with Jurassic Park Three, and it's it's where this sort of does make a little bit more sense. And I always put it up to production where the devastation we see in Jurassic Park Three doesn't seem any worse than what we've seen in the Lost World, even though it's just another four years or three years post. Yes, the grass is a bit longer around the, the Embryonics Administration facility, but um, it still seems to be pretty... It, like the vines inside are no worse than what we've seen inside the uh, operations building mm-hmm. here in this minute as well. So I always just put that up with production, just told here, make it look overgrown without mm-hmm. going even further overgrown. And now we know that it actually had been... They pretty much just cleared it and made it look and cleaned it up a bit so that they could reuse the facility. Yeah, yep. Um, even even as we'll see, or oh, one of the uh, photos for the Dinosaur Protection Group, the article here is of the uh, reception area for the um, administ- Embryonics Administration Building that we. Um, Oh no, we haven't talked about that yet. <laughs> um, that we're going to talk about this minute with uh, when Nick gets to the operations building, what they've done there, and looking at that open section of the building. The computer monitors on the table and that on the desk look just as mouldy and as they do here. So it's just they made that uh, went back in and refurbed the lab apparently and mm-hmm. done some experimenting. We we still don't know. I don't think it explains what happened after that nine months. I think by then they were planning Jurassic World. Um, oh, no, no, because that's before Jurassic Park 3, so... No, they were still planning for Jurassic World because um, it it was filed under, like... Um, when they did the cloning, it was filed under, like... What was it? Was Jurassic Park something... Yeah, I was doing articles for um, Jurassicpedia the, uh, today... And I was under the Gene oh. Pro- uh, Protection Act. They filed it under early R and D for Jurassic Park Second in Canada. In- yeah, that was it. That was it. No, it was under the Isla Sorna article I I edited. Yep. Yeah, that that makes it interesting. And if uh, if I ever get to Jurassic Park Three by minutes, we uh, I can talk about that when we get there. But mm-hmm. um, it still makes you wonder what made them leave after that nine months and considering in the in the movie we see eggshells there's still eggshells there it's it's just like again they've had to get up and get out in a hurry well they weren't supposed to be there because of the gene protection act yeah said that they weren't supposed to be cloning anything anymore yeah. they were supposed to just like let what they had stay there and just kind of ruminate like a petri dish 
but nothing on SORNA was supposed to be touched. It was supposed to be restricted. It was supposed to be shut down. They weren't supposed to be on that facility or using yeah. that facility at all. And because Masrani probably didn't have didn't want to be known that he was breaking the act, and they had all this infrastructure to create clone dinosaurs already set up on SORNA, that's probably why they went back to SORNA instead of setting up a lab, because they couldn't set up a lab. It would have been yeah. illegal. And that, that sort of ties into the original novels, too, of them, why why Jurassic Parks, why all this is happening down in Costa Rica, away from prying eyes, where they can do their research and not not be hassled by American laws, mm-hmm. regulations in cloning and all that sort of stuff. It's never really touched on in the films until sort of now, where this has all come out. So, And again, the, the, the whole, the, this report, the document itself, I just I want to get this pruned out and aged up a little bit just as a bit of a prop. I'll, I would have loved to see Grant pick this up while they're walking between the tables of eggs or something in the lab. Mm-hmm. Oh, there was so much they could have done with that lab in Jurassic Park 3. It's yeah. a, such a shame that it was such a short scene. Yeah. Or even even what we're going to talk about with 86, with Nick sort of walking through the operations building, like when he sees the mural, he could look down at the, the office desk and just pick up a, the dirty yellowed paper um, mm-hmm. like they do in the novel, just would have been a fantastic callback but that's the problem you get when you sort of make up make up stuff after the fact <laughs> yeah true but i mean i'm actually pretty satisfied with the amount of time they spend in the village in this movie i mean sure there could have been more sure we could have gotten more shots but i mean it, it's a pretty good decent amount that we got from the village in this movie yeah well they're being chased by raptors so they can't can't hang around yeah. for too long yeah um, so um yeah that's uh that's the Dinosaur Protection Group's latest posting, which um, like you posted too during the week. One of the images um, seems to be like a dash cam footage of the uh, male Tyrannosaur in San Diego, mm-hmm. downtown San Diego, where they've sort of rendered it. It's not... They've obviously had to make the image. It's not something we've seen from uh, the film or anything like that, but sort of rendered this blurry bit of footage. Yeah, it's, um, it's an amalgamation of two of the shots from... Uh, the San Diego Harbor War. And they kind of uh, just photoshopped two the head on a different shot of the head onto the body from the um, San Diego War, and that's and photoshopped into that into a probably a shot a nighttime picture they took of of that street. Yeah, one of the uh, one. It's just after one of the cars rolls over. Spray tail lights on. Interesting, it looks like it's got a street sign in its mouth. Yeah, it's glitching out something. You can't really tell what it is. Yeah. Yeah, so a bit of bit of editing there with the photos. But um, anything else from that you want to get into, Dave, before we finish off on 86? Uh, no. No? All good. All right. As we entered 85 the Lost World, Ian, Nick, Sarah and Kelly had run through the long grass and made it to a palm forest. Only though the ground disappeared from beneath them and they slid down the ravine. As we open on minute 86, Nick gets to his feet and starts to run ahead amongst the carcasses of some massive dead animals. At 85 minutes and 4 seconds, Ian tries to follow but his leg hurts and he sits down on a round boulder. Nick returns to where Ian sat and said the structure's there and kneels down to begin taking stuff out of RJ's bag. At 85 minutes and 15 seconds, 
Nick tells Ian Sarah that he's going to run ahead and send a radio call. And if anyone wants to try and keep up, they're welcome to try. But he falls back down again, his leg giving way. Sarah tells him to rest. At 85 minutes and 24 seconds, we, we cut to the Voika village as Nick runs down the street. Debris litters the area. Broken cars, broken windows. No sign of human interference. At 85 minutes and 36 seconds, Nick runs up the stairs of the operations building and the camera pulls back to reveal a very familiar looking set of doors. Nick opens the doors and moves into the building, shining his torch off into the distance. At 85 minutes and 53 seconds, as he walks sideways, he comes up against a concrete wall and at the corner of his eye sees a set of Tyrannosaurus Rex jaws open next to his head. Startled, Nick jumps back to reveal the Jurassic Park mural on the wall. Computers on a reception desk covered in mould. Vines hang from the roof, hiding most of the mural. And this ends minute 86 of The Lost World. At the end of the last minute, Nick and the group fell down the hill and Nick sort of seen something, rushed to his feet. And uh, now we see what that was described in both scripts as the Valley of Death and something brought out of the novel maybe not as large a scale as what it's described in the novel but something uh something still quite quite good to look at mm-hmm. yeah the valley it's like this kind of tight small i wouldn't even call it a valley more of like a gully yeah it's um just like a dirt middle with bones and carcasses of varying degree of decay laying everywhere especially the apatosaurus and then we also see the parasaurolophus here as well. It's based off of the Velociraptor nest in the novel. And um, there it's very much described the same way as this kind of creek bed that's um, kind of just been, that just kind of like terminated into this gully where they have bones of hepatosaurus just lying all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, I've got the uh, the excerpt here described as uh, standing in a flat, sandy area lined with boulders uh, at the sides. The flat area stretches 50 yards from side to side and as far as they can see ahead. Um, but that's not what amazes them. The sand is dotted with dinosaur skeletons, some huge apatosaurs 60 feet from head to tail. Uh, others are smaller herbivores of many different kinds. The more intact skeletons lie on their sides. The ribcage arcs of pale bone. Um, but just as many have been ripped apart, bits of carcass tossed in every direction. And that's where Ian sort of sees the skeletal remains of the worker village to say, hey, we've made it. But, um, yeah, sort of elaborated pretty closely to what we uh, see in the novel with uh, the raptor nest in that in that creek bed or valley. Mm-hmm. Which kind of goes back to the dossier. It's funny because they mentioned that there's a pedosaurus here, and if you actually compare the bones that... Uh, was made for this for the uh, these scenes here with the bones of a patasaurus. They're an exact match. So we do know that a patasaurus was alive and well on Isla Sorna and being hunted by the Velociraptors. Mm. It's just that it's, it would be it's such an engine thing that they wouldn't even know what's going on in their own um, <laughs> in their in their own facilities. Yeah. You know, I mean that's very much how it was in the novel too. Nobody knew what was going on. The lawyer division had, the legal division had no idea what was going on with the genetics division of InGen. The, um, 
the marketing division thought they were putting together a zoo and not a dinosaur park. I mean, it was just nobody knew what was going on in different parts of the company, and that's clearly expressed in the films as well, apparently. Yeah. It's like only a select few, Hammond and Wu, and maybe a couple others, actually knew what was going down on Jurassic Park in, in the novel. Yeah. But, uh... It's Nick sort of, um, he picks up RJ's bag and jogs forward for a bit and the camera follows him um, and it pans to reveal all those uh, dead animals on the ground. Uh, no big large boulders here. A couple of small ones that Nick's going to use to sit on in a minute, but um, we get the, the parasol office back from the Trenosaur nest as well. Now, we don't get the Edmontosaur back from the Rex nest, do we? No, we that's... The Amontosaurus skull is the only in the next is the only time we ever actually see evidence of that animal. Yeah, yeah. Ever existed. Yeah, but again, those massive rib cages and uh, some of those um, practical rib cages are actually still on the uh, back lot tour now. Yeah, they are. For explorer wreck in amongst them. Um, it's actually been moved, I think. Um, not, I mean, not since not since then, but it was. Um, it was originally there was they had it all laid out um, differently. They had like the rib cages all put together like they were supposed to be how they were in the movie, and then they stuck the carcass of that car I think in there after Jurassic Park three. Yeah. Because they had an explorer that they probably just uh, from, and that they used in the third movie that they probably just repainted. Yeah. yeah it looks the, about what it was too. Yeah, yeah. When um when Grant and crew run from the Embryonics Administration building. Um, there's a Ford Explorer there for in, a yellow InGen sticker on the side of it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, because by 2001 they wouldn't have had any Explorers in the back lot or anything to use, so they would have just painted that up because I don't think it's got a bull bar. It definitely hasn't got the, five, the clear sunroof on it. No. Um, it's just been mocked up to sort of be all... because it's all damaged as well. Um, mm -hmm. They've just found a wreck to put in the film but i just love how like it's described as um some of the skeletons or animals being ripped apart much like that uh what we see in the novel um i think it's described in the novel too i think ian mentions that um the raptors actually built their nest in this location because the stream was bringing animal carcasses down uh, at times of flood yeah. of uh, animals that died further upstream but there's not really a stream here um, a lot of the promotional stuff and that actually calls this the Boneyard and not the Valley of Death, so it, this seems more like a place where animals just go to die, mm. it would seem. Almost uh, like an elephant graveyard, you think? Yeah, yeah, like that, because yeah. it's just there's a lot of different species of animals here that have died. Raptors aren't going to drag a, a patasaur skull, <laughs> a skeleton or um, body dead animal back to its nest uh, so yeah just it's just interesting how how this sort of fits in and what actually took place but um ian and sarah gets their feet and start to follow but after a few feet uh, ian's leg starts to pain him and he cries out oh well and sits down on one of those round rocks and nick comes back to where ian fell and kneels down um saying the structures there which we can't see unfortunately i'd love to just see sort of an eerie outline of the kiln house or something. Mm -hmm. Kiln yeah. Shop. Yeah, this it's because this was built on a on a uh, Yeah. <laughs> on a, yeah. 
Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It was both on Sam's the stage. <laughs> and not on where the actual um, worker village itself was built, which was built on the Hollywood back lot, right near yeah. the right behind the psycho house. Yeah, we don't get to that until the uh, Ian and co start heading for the operations building in a couple more minutes. But while he's kneeling down next to him, he opens RJ's bag and um, he says, well, Nick says that uh, he said the communication center is in the operations building. I'll just get in there and send a radio call, and I'll see you there. And while he's talking, he pulls out the torch, another one of those big torches, uh, the map yeah. in Ludlow's book, which has all come back. He hasn't mm-hmm. been told what he has to do, but working in Greenpeace, now I'm sure he can put two and two together, as he does shortly. Yeah. Uh, Ian stands and tries to jog, or Nick stands and jogs away, and uh, Sarah yells to wait for us, but he sort of yells over his shoulder, anyone that thinks they can keep up is welcome to try. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that, Ian sort of says, here we come, and gets up, but Sarah makes him sit down and says, no, rest. When they fell down the, uh, when they fell down the um, muddy slope there, you could kind of hear like a cracking sound when they, when they all landed. And I think that was the, um, that was his leg. Kind of bringing that injury up that from the, from the first Jurassic Park, you know? Yeah. Well, that's yeah, and it's not it's not shown a lot in the film, but in both scripts that that previous injury is uh does come up a few times. Mm-hmm. Um limping and that sort of thing, but um when we see later on him running from Velociraptors in the uh worker village, I think the pain he's feeling in his legs the last thing he's concerned about. Yeah, really. Yeah, a little bit of adrenaline rush there. Yeah, yeah, which I've felt before not from velociraptors but uh <laughs> escaping animals that, that want to do you harm <laughs> yeah um, but we get a nice cut here to a, a lovely moss covered window broken window but the camera's looking through looking out over the worker village mm-hmm. um at the far end we can see the uh very familiar jurassic styled perimeter fence gates and the fence itself uh on the left looks like a radio tower or water tower um yeah, Which, that was my mistake. It was, I thought it was a radio tower. It turns out it's like a water tower of sorts. Yeah, it's half a just collapsed in on itself. Yep, yep. Which Are again, you, I know, growing up on the farm, like if you can have your water tank up on a high point like that and have gravity, um, you don't have to worry about pumping it. Then it can sort of gravity feed down with mm-hmm. pressure to the buildings around. Um, but uh, there's vehicles parked near some gas pumps there as well, and um, the whole main area is littered with debris. Um, yeah. We don't really see the kiln house and the boarding house on the right just yet. Um, yeah, it's kind of obscured by the build by um, the glass, and then the camera when the camera pans away, we um, it kind of pans down as well, and we don't really see it. But we do get a shot of that pond that the operation center is built in, and a truck. One of those ladder trucks, like, um, not, not a cherry picker, but it's like a pickup truck with one of those uh, cages on the back. Just kind of, yeah. kind of is halfway buried into the pond there. Yeah, like a, um, like a handyman or a power, yeah. power services, yeah, yeah, service vehicle. With yeah. The uh, ladders on the roof and that, on the, on the mm-hmm. rear of the. Yeah, precisely. Truck. Yep. Yeah. But then the, the camera starts to pan left and, uh, we get that. We get the start of Finding Camp Jurassic score start to play, which might be one of my favorite 
my more favourite scores of this uh, film. Mm-hmm. Um, the camera passes the window frame and we get a full view of the village. Uh, Nick running towards the camera with flashlights swinging left and right. Um, he approaches the stairs at the base of the building and starts running up into the operations building. And uh, and then, lovely, the camera sort of pulls back and drops down a bit, revealing a set of double-swinging doors that look very familiar as well. Yeah, they're the same doors. Not the same, but the same egg motif on the doors as was on the Visitor Center in Jurassic Park, which is yeah. a really nice callback. I think the doors even make that kind of same oomph sound when mm. they open Yep, which is it's funny because he sort of he gives the door a shove, uh, the left side door or the right side door, a bit of a shove to open. Yet as soon as he walks through it, sort of he puts his hand back to help it close itself, so it doesn't close <laughs> too fast and make a loud racket. But yeah, um, yeah, I just love that design. It's something that um, Trespass have included in them as well. Yeah. Um, but it's also interesting. It's something that was taken off the set. Uh, for the embryonic administration building, so I wonder if they're sitting in a production director's man cave or something. <laughs> I don't know. Surely, surely you wouldn't throw them out. That's no, too... I mean they were left. They were left there for when they had the tour for the um for the Hollywood backlot tour, mm. but then they slowly started taking the backlot tour down, or I mean the worker village down, and replacing it with the um with the Jurassic Park 3 embryonics building eventually. Yeah, yep. And I don't know why, but they just changed so much in the motif of the embryonic, on the embryonics building from the previous films. Just like a bare glass door, um, the the entire mo- uh, front is like really different from how the fronts of the buildings have looked uh, previously. It kind of it's kind of described as the um, lobby is in the novel mm. with the bare glass doors and all that, but it's not really described. It doesn't fit the movies, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about all about the uh, the set being reused in sliders when we get to the end of the Worker Village stuff, but um, mm-hmm. just how it was only by the end of 97 that whole Worker Village set was pulled down and only the operations building remained. It's great here too because once Nick sort of gets inside and starts walking, um, you can see the uh, the lobby area itself behind him. Um, the single seat couches are sitting there. Um, yeah. The the broken Venetian blinds mm-hmm. um, that sort of partition off the radio the radio room. Oh, and all the walls are glass. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, just that lovely effect of having the mold all over everything. Mm-hmm. There's like a mossy kind of mold that's just sitting on the computers, on the desks. There's leaves on the floor that you can hear him actually crunching on. I love that sound effect, just walking through it, and you can just hear him walking on dry leaves, just yeah. echoing in that small space as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, the chairs are all ripped up and look like they've been slashed with claws, so that's like a nice mm-hmm. callback to the novel where one of the um, where the, ta- not the tables, the uh, chairs have been described as being slashed up. Yeah. Animals have been getting into them. The only thing that's not here that I would have loved to see is the big chrome letters of in, um, International Genetics Technologies We Make Your Future. But yeah. we get that on top of the gate, I suppose, so... Yeah. In a, in a bit of a shortened way, but... Um, it's 
it's here this whole point the whole time too while he's walking in he's sort of walking sideways looking behind the camera into an area of the operations building that we just never see no um, we don't later I mean, on when he gets power up it's sort of the roof from the outside looking in the roof seems like it's covered in um fluoro lights much like you would in a office building so yeah it is but it looks like i mean you can see like desks and chairs in there yeah but you can can't really see what else in there. It also looks like there's like some kind of machinery in there of some sort, like big copies or fax machines or something. Yeah, yeah. So it's sad, and as yeah, when um, we, when you do get to Jurassic Park Three, where we actually see that area when Grant and that walk in, it's just a whole open area with a set of glass, um, like clean room doors at the end that go off to another section of the lab. That we don't we don't really see what. Nick's looking at here. Of course, we know he's looking at the camera and not mm-hmm. much else. But uh, he's sort of as he's walking, sides like sidestepping through the area and uh, looking at the torch. I just love how he, that eerie, like a hingy door creaking or opening that we mm-hmm. hear, um, and sort of like that chain r- that chain rattling sound as well. Um, yeah. And uh, he butts up against the concrete wall and some vines and. We, we can see a set of painted jaws smiling, but uh, he can't. Turns around and sort of spooks himself a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't um, know they're painted at first. I mean, yeah. just spent all night run, running from T-Rex. So, I mean, it's completely understandable. Yeah, yep. And uh, he turns around looking at the, the reveal of the Jurassic Park mural on the wall. We don't mm-hmm. get to see a good shot of here because he hasn't shown his torch up to it in this minute, but uh, it's, it's a lot more overgrown... Um, the, well, it's overgrown. You can't see the sides of it as much. We'll uh, we'll post up what the full mural actually looks like, but you can't see probably two thirds of it um, here because mm-hmm. of the vines hanging. But again, as you said, just in the bottom of the camera here, you got the the front reception desk with the computers on it covered in mold. Um, mm-hmm. And they're like the same computers that they used in the first Jurassic Park, so it's like a really nice callback. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, being advanced in '93 and. It's just great that they haven't used stuff newer. There's nothing mm-hmm. worse than a movie supposed to be set in a specific time and someone's got a digital watch on or something that <laughs> would never have existed um, back in the day. But uh, that's where uh, 86 ends. But the road to here, um, as we've seen, uh, them falling down, the, uh, falling down the cliff in the shooting script, actually all climb down together. And once everyone's down, they turn, stare at the site before them, and Sarah says, "God help us." And we see the uh, a lot larger valley with um, the boulders and all that, much as we described. Mm-hmm. Um, and they start walking amongst the skeletons. Roland notices um, some footprints and a dead hadrosaur there that's freshly been killed, which will uh, lure him back out after its uh, attacker in a little bit. Um, but Ian sort of notices the pale white bone of the dead animals sort of give way to uh, man-made objects, twisted, rotten machinery. Mm-hmm. Ludlow sort of yells that we made, and they run over a small rise. Uh, and this is a quote from the script, uh, Exterior Worker Village Night. Um, they find themselves at the edge of what was once Bisselsauna's worker village, the size of a football field. The town is divided by a main street that's dotted on both sides by stores, residents, cafes, a gas station. Um, and all the way at the end is a large, blocky, four-storey building, which uh, in the pre-San Diego script is described, or Ludlow says that's the operations building. 
they've sort of gone for a bit of an artistic difference here with the operations building, uh, calling it four stories tall in the script. Um, if you go by each sort of level as the stairs sort of make their way up to the to the doors, then yes, you could probably say there's, there's two um, small landings before you get to that main floor, and then you've got the helipad, the helipad which would be the fourth story, if you wanted to go that way, but... Um, it's also it's... a lot bigger in the script. Uh, when we see the concept out of it, um, it's a much bigger structure. Yeah. And it was like, it had the two tiers, but those tiers were more spaced apart, and the building itself was bigger, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we can post up some of the comment, uh, concept art during the week as well. Just some... Uh, and whether it was just some of that concept art coming in with it being built on this swampy pond, um, some of the concept art actually had it built on a lake um, with sort of duckbill dinosaurs and that eating uh, eating and fishing in the lake. Um, yeah, so at one point the um, I, it was they stripped away the, almost the entire village part and left just the um, just the operations building and they had it built on a lake with a waterfall running behind it yeah the base of a cliff it had a big cliff <laughs> behind it um and a lot of the concept art sort of showed too uh a cage or like a safe cage on a top of a spire um which looks a lot different to what we get here or we don't see it yet when the power's turned on whether that's the radio antenna or what it is it's a very weird structure at the back of the operations building there yeah, it is. I mean, I've asked other people, and we've just kind of brainstormed and put our heads together. Nobody I know, nobody can figure out what this thing is supposed to be. And the concept art, and the, even the concept model in the Mattel toy, or the Matchbox, or no, it was Micro Machines, the Micro Machines toy mm. from Galoob, um, had it like a watchtower. Yeah. It was like this structure that with like a ladder up to it, and then it had like a watchtower kind of thing. Yeah, and it's like it's it's got um I think it's got six arching legs that come down onto six um, concrete mounts um, or concrete pillars that it sits on. And of course, as we'll see later when the power's turned on, a lot of the high structures in the worker village have got the flashing red lights on just for the helipad, so they <laughs> the helicopter doesn't crash into anything. But um, yeah, it's just it's big and bulky. It's too bulky to be a cage, and that it's it, there's too much of a gap between the the posts of it as well, but that's just one of those design things you've got no idea where they pulled from or what it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. That's where you I want to. Um... It kind of adds to the mystery that is the worker village, but in another way, it's, it's kind of annoying because you're like, what is this thing? Mm. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's it, it's another thing too. If if you let the animals go and got out of there, then why do you have, if it is a safety cage, and why does it look like it only hold two or three people when you've probably got 20 in the building or the village mm -hmm. <laughs> um, as a safe space? So um, when the, um, we we got, I got some photos from 2016 of someone that got out the back there to the uh, the ruined set, and those that structure's still there and the concrete foundation's built on, and there's no ladder leading up to that, and there's nothing really in the structure that you could get in and stand on, so... Yeah, I've seen those but, same photos. I mean, the whole thing is kind of destroyed, but underneath that uh, little dome, there's, like, concrete 
support. And it's kind of weird because, I mean, you'd think that's where the room was supposed to be. Mm. But it's not. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of almost circular in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, again, back to the script as well. Um, the town, it's described the town's a mess. The hurricane that hit here must have been ferocious. Um, Furfin smashed, broken, upended, and the jungles stepped into the breath, growing up around and over everything. Um, huge root systems snake through the street, almost making it impassable, which again just sets that mood really well. Well, um, also in the concepts and the model is, and all that, he had the water tower, it was falling over, but it's kind of falling yeah. into the street and blocking, kind of blocking off the street a bit. Yeah, yeah. And I think they actually came up later in the script too. Was um, well, we we won't spoil it, but I think that yeah, that doesn't it? Yeah, that yeah, that fallen water tower is definitely used um, to help some people out. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, it might be just something left over from that um, the San Diego script where they had thirteen buildings planned for the worker village. Where here we've only got four, Mm -hmm. um, and they might have just said, hey, this water tower still looks good laying over. They might have already had it on site before they decided to downscale. But mm-hmm. um, but Ian sort of makes a comment, the jungle's always ready to return. Which is and, um, a comment from the novel, actually. Yeah. He was overlooking the uh, decayed ruins of the uh, lab's facility. Mm. Yep. Uh, Rowan asks Ludlow, where's the radio? And Ludlow points to the operations building. Also, too, a light rain starts to fall. Which uh, the whole final set of the uh, pre-San Diego script, the nighttime stuff happens while it's raining as well. Mm-hmm. And um, they set on down the street, and uh, Ian and Roland are the only two that have got weapons mm-hmm. into the uh, worker village. This whole Nick running ahead to make the radio call is completely made up for the film again. It's not in the shooting script, it's not in the pre-San Diego script, so it's just something else. Mm-hmm. They sent Nick, maybe... Nick couldn't stay around to... Oh, Nick. Um, Finn's Fawn might not have been able to stay around for the night, the long night shooting. I mean, there was, they filmed it in, like, one night in in November. That's why you can see everybody's breath in this scene. Which is a great little effect as well. Just... Yeah, it is. And, but, yeah, I mean, when everybody else is off getting chased by velociraptors, he's being interviewed. So it was kind of a joke. Oh, well, everybody else... Uh, uh, well, everybody else is off risking their lives. He's having a chit-chat with the camera. <laughs> yeah, and that's one interesting thing with some of those behind-the-scene featurettes where um, where they had some of these some of the actors and production team talking to the behind-the-scenes crew on the Worker Village set, which sort of, again, gives sort of a little bit more insight into the buildings and um, where they're filming in them. But... Mm-hmm. Another, th- another thing is, in one of the concept art, which is one of my favourite ones, you get this overarching shot of the compound, and it's like an aerial shot. And you can see the cliff just kind of almost slid into the building and crushed a few, I mean, slid into the village and crushed a few of the buildings already. Yeah, it's like a, a fault line, um, again, volcanic activity on the island, where just a, a, a sheer cliff of rock has just risen up right behind mm-hmm. the building, and sort of as it's rising. It's sort of taken some of the building with it, or started crushing the building. Yeah. And again, just showing that um, nature's coming back and taking over. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's uh, that's 86 for the week. Um, 
hopefully this recording has went well. Uh, we thought we were going to be able to cut it down a bit quicker than what we did last time, but hey, look at that, it's been two hours, so. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to bring up, Dave, before we get out of here for the week? No, I think we uh, pretty extensively covered it. Lovely. All right, guys, let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website, thelostworldminute.com. You can email feedback to thelostworldminute at gmail.com, Facebook, The Lost World Minute, Twitter, at The Lost World Minute, and Instagram, The Lost World Minute. Easy to remember. Yeah, yeah, very easy to remember. Right. <laughs> uh, David, thank you for joining me for this recording. And uh, we'll be back. I've been Brad. I'm Dave. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Goodbye. Talk to you later. Bye. It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, Life will find a way. <laughs>